Hi, I'm Katerina and this is Sound Effects, a new music and mental health podcast. In the background here, you can hear me playing the drums very, very badly. What's happening is I'm having a drum lesson with a fully qualified music therapist called Phil Clark. Now this is taking place inside a psychiatric ward at the Gordon Hospital and in this ward are a number of therapy rooms, some of which are set up for specific types of therapy like art therapy and music therapy. In this room right now there are loads of instruments around me, guitars, there's a piano, maracas, there's all sorts of other percussions and different types of guitars like bass and acoustic and electric and I've been given the pick to choose which instrument I want to work with and I chose the drums. Unfortunately I'm not a drum player and you can hear but that doesn't matter because I'm here to talk about how exactly music therapy works and what happens in a music therapy session. Phil works with patients who are exhibiting signs of psychosis and we talk a little bit about how music and having music therapy can help someone who is experiencing psychosis or psychotic symptoms. One of the implications of doing this interview in the hospital itself is that we've had to keep pretty quiet so we talk in slightly hushed tones to be respectful of what's going on around us and you can hear intermittently the sound of patients and doctors walking through the corridors and the sounds of doors slamming shut so it does give a kind of eerie feel to the episode. This may be triggering to some of you if hearing sounds like that are worrying. I just wanted to give you a warning but gives quite a good insight into the feel of what it's like to be inside a psychiatric ward having therapy on a typical weekday in London. Um, now, Phil Clark is also a fully-fledged musician. He was the drummer in a very successful band called The Lipstick Melodies, which later became known as The Tourniquet. They made a few albums and they worked with baby shambles and particularly they did a lot of work with Pete Doherty. Unfortunately the lead singer in very recent years died in tragic circumstances and I talk with Phil about the impact of that on himself and, and himself having gone through his own dark times and also what it's like to be a music therapist on the other side of it supporting people who are experiencing problems and are benefiting from having music therapy. So I won't go once I want to get straight into the interview, but I hope you enjoy it. We're in a psychiatric hospital, and um, I think there's 
three wards. Three, there used to be five, I think there's three now. Um, and this uh, studio, this, this whole department um, of arts therapy um, kind of facilitates um, uh, inpatients in the wards and also outpatients who come from um, around this area and um, we run groups and individual music therapy sessions here. Um, so um, it's kind of music psychotherapy, so it's, it's um, there's a lot of talking involved um, and a lot, of, a lot of kind of thinking about uh, what's, what's going on internally with, with people. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and we've got a lot of kind of instruments. Um, so yeah, just for the benefit of the of the listeners, like I'm sitting in it. So this would would this be a standard therapy room that someone would come into and, and use the? Yeah, I mean they're, they're, they're different in different places. Um, I mean this is set up with a recording facility, so that um, and that really helps kind of uh, patients to kind of take that kind of observant kind of perspective to listen back to to what they've been creating and to kind of um, take a step back and and hear themselves and and kind of be their own kind of critics and and um, and deal with some of the difficult feelings that might come with that as well yeah. um, but I mean it's a lot of you know there's, there's a lot of music therapy which is based around a very improvisational um, kind of hit, like that's the kind of theme um, where people would play um, people who find it very difficult to talk and um, find it very intrusive having someone you know um, give them therapy so they, there's the instruments that kind of like almost acts as like an, an object to kind of allow that you know we don't have to talk we can we can just play and then but that that often um, creates a sense of identity yeah. and allows them to kind of be able to talk about what's going on. Um, so. I find that really fascinating because there's an aspect of gestalt that where that comes in where you you, you empathise based on um, not on what the person's saying but based on what they're drawing or what they're mm. playing and you get a sense of their process through the way that they're playing. I'm, I'm wondering if it's this similar thing where the way that they might be playing can tell you a sense of what their process is. I don't, I don't know. Sure, I mean, this is, um, Daniel Stein talks about this thing called effect attunement, which is, yeah. um, is, is about kind of meeting, meeting the patient and, and being able to kind of contain, um, contain some of those feelings. So, you know, um, for example, if a patient's playing a melody, um, even singing back that melody to them to, mm. to allow them to realise that they're being listened to and they're being heard and that you're kind of there with them in that kind of mm. in, in that process and I think that's really that's really important um, and the thing, the thing that can be quite di different about music therapy to art therapy is that it's a very much a shared uh, process you know you're, you're bringing stuff that's Within you, you're playing that as well uh, with with someone else. Um, and art therapy is more well. I think it's changing, but it's kind of more interpretive, um, uh, it's more of an interpretive kind of style. So it's 
it just allows like a shared experience, you know, that we're both we're both in this together, we're both yeah. feeling the anxiety of, you know, two people in a room together and you know, there's yeah. and that gets played played out through the through the music and that's um, that's that can be quite important um, when working with um, projections and how, how you're feeling and how the patient's making you feel and and um, kind of empathising with, with, with that, you know. Yeah. And you talk about working with psychosis a lot, so is that for, like how does it work, how is it different for someone with psychosis and someone who is, they're not, they're not in any psychosis at all, but they might just be suffering anxiety or depression or... Sure, I think. I mean, I think it works in a way for for a lot of different different people. I mean, with psychosis, it's um, very much a developmental kind of um, process, which helps the, you know the, the difficulties with thinking and um, you know the um, beyond talks about the attacks of, you know in the, in the attacks of linking and, um, about this this the, the difficulties of of having thought and some of those kind of um, defense, you know, the psych, the kind of psychic retreat that, that, that someone would go into, and mm. and so it's very much um, like learning is is a great part of mm. of helping someone with psychosis, you know, um, and sitting with those difficulties in in the room, you know, with the with the with the person. Mm. Um, for people with anxiety, I guess, you know, I mean. Feelings can get played, and there can be a lot of kind of calming effects that music can have on people. You know, um, music can be kind of very immediate when you, you know, you can hit the instrument. It's very immediate. But art can be something that's like something that's kind of drawn, drawn out. Recording helps kind of um, with that like learning process as well because you can listen back to yourself and, mm. and you know re-record stuff and work on you know if you're out of tune you know like you can work on that and um, so yes yeah, it's, it's it's interesting and, and the, the idea of keeping keeping patients in mind having a having a CD that they can take away. Um, it's quite, it's quite useful because it's, you know, you're keeping that patient in mind, keeping the music in mind, and, and um, you know, some patients will go and work on stuff and practice parts, you know, at home, and, and that, and that's very much kind of, you, you, like a, thinking, like a, kind of, uh, a good foundation for, like, a relationship, a relationship, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Like the the response of tell me if I'm wrong, but the response of the the, the instrument to mm. the, the self and how that builds up a, a trust and mm. a being with. But I I um I'm really interested in what you said about the immediacy of certain instruments and you described the drum because I can see there's a drum kit here mm -hmm. and and then you've also got like um. You've got the cello, you've got the double bass, you've got the acoustic guitar, you've got, is that a bass? Bass guitar, yeah. Um, and there's loads of percussion, so 
do you have a sense of like when patients come in, do they tend to be drawn to a particular style of instrument, or have you have you noticed a pattern in that? Or? I think I think some people get drawn to an instrument which they think uh, is is safe for them to play. You know that they feel comfortable that they can identify with. You know. Yeah. But um, um, there's I mean there is. There's the opportunity to kind of go from instrument to instrument, you know, if, if the anxiety is a lot sometimes um, it will be kind of like exploring lots of different instruments and trying to, and, and I think it's important to kind of keep centred as a therapist and, and kind of just be very centred when someone's, someone's doing that and kind of stick to, stick to one instrument perhaps, you know, just to kind of contain that, the anxiety of um, you know, it, it, can, it can be difficult in, in the silences, you know, um, it's, that can be quite difficult to bear um, for someone who's quite you know, neurotic, or, you know. So describe what a session might look like. Uh, well, actually, before that, I might just check with you just for the sake of when people are listening to it. So would you be able to... Explain what exactly is a music therapist. <laughs> um, well, we I guess we're we're quite similar to um, normal therapists, but mm -hmm. we kind of we use the medium of music and sound and um, um, to as an expression, I guess you know. So it's um, almost like the, th the third object, you know. So. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of projections and feelings can get put into the instruments, and um, and that's that's the way we, we kind of work with with that rather than um, rather than working with a lot of talking and, and dreams, um, which can be quite um, quite difficult um, to know what to say sometimes. You know, I think I think that's where. Um, the training is different between um, music therapy and, you know, counselling or mm. normal therapy. It sounds like there's a quite a strong psychoanalytic approach to... to here, here there is, yeah. Yeah, it's very, yeah, here it's very um, analytical, but there's a lot of, you know, Nordoff Robbins is very kind of music-centred mm. music therapy. Mm. Um, and they train in that kind of way, but um, certainly, you know, the manager here, he's Tavistock trained, so he's kind of very, um, very analytical in, in his approach, you know. which so can be a good thing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you did you find that that was something that you were drawn to, psycho the psychoanalytic, uh, theoretical side of it? Were you drawn to that, or was it kind of place? Just, placed on me. <laughs> yeah, in a way, based on your training that you took, I, I wasn't sure how yeah. much of it was a decision. Well, I think, um, I, you know, I decided to be a music therapist, and, I, uh, you know, it was a very difficult point in my life where I kind of made a choice mm. to make a positive change, I guess, and, um, and, you know, this was my first placement was in this hospital, and my first manager was psychoanalytically trained so that's, the, that's kind of like almost like the my first experience of 
of music therapy training. So, okay. um, but I'm, you know, I am very interested in the Gestalt, yeah. you know, um, approach, and I, I mean, I like the, the whole kind of the whole the parts as you know the parts are set you know separate and whole. The and whole and, and other than, uh, yeah, the whole is other than the sum of its parts, yeah. that's it, yeah. Because I'm quite interested in um, archetypes, oh, okay. and I, so I, I kind of see the, some other parts as like these maybe archetypal kind of, yeah. um, uh, kind of the way we kind of have different archetypes within ourselves and, and how we perceive ourselves in different situations and, mm. and um, how that kind of integral kind of whole is formed mm. um, and and when those kind of parts are kind of fragmented and broken and, and difficult to kind of piece together I guess I mean I don't know enough about Gestalt but, but um, I guess it's that kind of process of in, in individuation mm. and kind of trying to find that yeah. that integ integrity within yourself yeah. yeah absolutely and it's very much uh, this idea I don't know how much is in psychoanalysis and such, but this this idea is you've got your, your individual self within a wider context so like society then society within the world and then the yeah. world within the universe and that there's this constant symbiotic relationship between keeping your own sense of self and identity within a context that you have to be mindful of and how at any given moment one or the other can become more influential so if we're too aware of society's needs at the detriment of our own needs we can become anxious overwhelmed, overwhelmed. and likewise the other way if we're too insular and isolated we can become suicidal, cut off, or even, you know, antisocial, you know, all the, all the different elements of the spectrum. So, like, yeah, I see that sort of, that sense of the whole. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I, I think that, um, I think that we, seeing that as, you know, the, the, the journey you choose, whatever, if, you know, if you want you know, seeing it as like they've got a mental health problem, you know. Sometimes I think that's that's the journey that people choose, you know, and you have to really respect that, that your journey is very different from theirs and that we're kind of equal in a way, you know. Sometimes I went to um, Epping Forest and I, I saw some kind of, some amazingly made shelters out of wood and I thought like, just have a bit of tarpaulin over that and live quite happily inside, you know, and, and, and people, you know, people do and, and um, you know, to get away from, from the fears of society and, and you know, um, and that's, that's, you know, that's, that's fine, you know, but you know, that's, that's, that's their choice and that's their journey, you know. That's just taking me a little bit back to you, in a sense, because you, you said, like, I always feel like with, with any therapist, that they bring themselves to it. There's, there's always a reason for why we might go into therapy, I feel anyway. Mm. And you, you said that you kind of came into it from a difficult place in your life. And, I, and you're a musician, so I have the sense of you knowing something about 
awareness as a musician and how that's infiltrated your desire to be a therapist? Yeah, yeah well, I, th I think I think all musicians are, are different, and I think that creativity is something that is um, it's like I think it's almost like going into the unknown mm. and trying to find out who you are by playing or um, drawing or any kind of any kind of thing which which trying to find out who you are is is the kind of key thing and I think that sometimes um, it, is, it, is, it is difficult because you can kind of go down quite a dark path sometimes you know and um, you know, being being in bands and being surrounded by other people who are who are who are trying to find their identity as well, mm. and it can be very confusing. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I th you know, I think there's the, there was a point in my life where I kind of hit rock bottom, mm. and um, you know, I saw. I saw something which kind of changed my way of thinking, like a little kind of, um, you know, I was just, I was feeling in a very, really bad place and um, thinking about, you know, why should, you know, why should I continue? What's, what's, what's the point of life? You know, and then I kind of, in the head, in the kind of distance, I saw this fox, and he kind of looked at me, and we were kind of stared at each other for a while. And I was just like, "Wow, you're you're surviving, and you're living, you know." And that was almost like just like a little kind of like switch, just to kind of made me think, "Well, you know, why am I in this kind of state when he's he's trying to survive, and he's trying to live?" And and that kind of set me in a that was like a, a little step um, to to kind of discovering who I was and, and my potential and who I could be, you know. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty amazing, amazing time. And I decided, to, you know, because I had such a, a kind of creativity in myself. Um, that I decided to, to, to do something that was quite containing, mm -hmm. so I decided to train as a music therapist, maybe, you know, to sort myself out, go into therapy, and you know, come up with a qualification, wow. and try to understand how other people, and, up, you know, becoming more interested in other people, and, and, and uh, what, 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 um, like the meaning of things for them, you know. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful, that, that image of you meeting the fox. There's something so simple about it, but at the same time so deep, and sometimes I find those those are the moments of clarity in life. It doesn't have yeah. to be anything complex. And what you described made me think of your sessions, that how those simple moments... Two, two people meeting in a simple moment can mm. have a really profound effect. Um, yeah, but that's 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 really that's really touched me. That yeah. fox. 
And did, did the fox leave? The, or or did, was, did, it, did you stay there watching? We, we stayed there. I mean, it's, it seemed like for ages we kind of mm -hmm. like looked at each other. But I, you know, I, a few months later I decided to get a dog actually in, um, as well. So he's now seven. Aww. He's uh, he's very cool, um, and it was also you know something to look after and to kind of you know, um, and uh, yeah. So I think you know I think animals are uh, you know an uh, important part of you know this planet. for you, you describe, um, you had that moment, it sounds like it was a really quite profound you were in a really dark place and that something shifted and you started to focus on the other in the therapeutic sense but also as a way to help yourself as well. So I'm interested in that time just before then that what, if you're, if you don't mind talking about it that is, um, what led up to that in your, in your view? Uh, I think I think there's quite a lot of you know having this kind of false sense of self you know mm. um, you know playing you know when you're playing in bands and you're you know, doing music you you kind of think you have to be a certain way mm. and um, it's difficult so there's there's certain you know drugs are involved a lot in music mm. and. And they can they can be quite a lot of addictions. Um, you, can, you can get quite addicted to to a lot of things that are quite negative, you know, mm. in, in life, and um, and you know, and have very kind of transient relationships um, with people. You know, you know, you have a very kind of fragile ego, um, and the, you have a lot of it's like um, you build up a lot of defences because you want to preserve this kind of identity you have in your creativity. Mm. Um, and I think, um, I think there's, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who have had difficulties in life turn to music, and mm. it can be quite. It, I mean, it can be. You know, you're talking about, you know, the people with musicians having like, mental health problems and I think that it's I think that people generally turn to their creative side when they're struggling um, or if they've got some kind of trauma and, and that that's that's really great but it's it's the thing is with something like music therapy is you can kind of have a strong identity in who who you are without some without kind of negative influences on that. And I think if you kind of go through that process of, of you know, being constantly having this negative kind of influences and, you know, drugs or, you know, women or, you know, whatever, very kind of uh, transient relationships and um, just kind of getting off your head all the time, getting plastered and yeah. not really thinking about... Um, your your um, your worth, you know, in a, in a 
break in a whole kind of way. Am I making any sense? Yeah, you really are. And it's it's making me think about, because I think that's fascinating, what pulls people to a life on the road as a musician to be to be in a band. Because I think there is something quite spiritual about it. Yeah. When you spoke about the interest in music and the creative outlet, and then you've got this other side of it, as you mentioned, the drugs, the women, the whole kind of rock and roll cliche in a way. And how that as well seems to be a lure into you know, for a lot of sure. people. And from your perspective as someone who's been in it and come out of it and been lulled by all of it, you know, you've lived it. Like how do you make sense of what it is about, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle or being in a band that is what is it about it? Because, because you you feel um, you know, I think people us musicians we all kinda of wanna be adored and loved, you know. Yeah. And I think that um yeah. yeah that's really it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. so, yeah. So literally when you say adored and loved I'm I've kind of got the two images of it again, the kind of the image of the rock star on stage, arms out, seeing the crowd, you know, mm. like absorbing all of the adulation of that and the fan base. Yeah. All the love as in being appreciated with the art that you're creating. Yeah, I think, I think it's a bit, of, a bit of both really, I think, um, I think it's, I think it's very, your, your kind of family becomes people who are kind of similar mm. in that kind of mindset, you know, and um, um, you know, and you can kind of stay in that kind of adolescent kind of world, you know, for as long as you want, really, until yeah. people hate your music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you find that? Did you did you feel like that was where you were at? Like it, it was something about not growing up or not not having more responsibility? Yeah, I, I think it's like yeah, kind of wanting to go on to kind of Soto's food, mm. you know, something yeah. a bit more kind of. Um, Dif more difficult maybe to deal with, you know, um, but something that's kind of more, um, something deeper, you know, finding something deeper, something which has more meaning than just kind of turning up to a gig and staying at a hotel and, or just, you know, going to a party after the party, you know, just something that's a bit more kind of, um, yeah, just like, you know, a good meal rather than, you know, a cheap takeaway. <laughs> no McDonald's, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've been, my understanding is that you've been in a few bands and you've worked as a musician, like in terms of like a session musician mm. and you've been a producer. So you, you've kind of dabbled in the music industry in its various guises as well. Yeah. Do you have a... Did you or do you have a preference for any of those? Um, not not really. I, I I gave up teaching, and I've just started again, and I've started to really enjoy mm -hmm. enjoy that side of things. Now you know now after being qualified as a music therapist, 
going back into teaching, seeing um, kind of teaching in a very different way uh, to the way I used to, um, kind of approaching each individual in a very different way, um, seeing what, you know, before I used to be quite direct as a teacher and, um, and now I'm kind of more allowing, um, you know, allowing a certain drummer to explore themselves more and explore um, maybe some of the emotions that come with playing and um, um, but a lot of um, I teach drums and, and you find a lot of children with difficulties um, find that they get drawn to the drums because it's something that can kind of ground them um, and a lot of it's about patterns and seeing patterns and in things and it's mm. quite fascinating thinking thinking in that way seeing uh, rhythms as, as patterns and like thinking about symmetry and mm. all that kind of stuff all the patterns of the world and of the universe it, it, it feels mm. very together and it, it, is that what you meant that you see the, the the patterns of the music, like the scales and the rhythms, and the. Mm. I, don't I don't know. I mean, I'd like to know. I'd like to explore it more. Mm. You know, um, I don't know. I, I see. I see. I see. Kind of the, the structures. It's kind of like, almost like um, architecture you know, with, with music and mm. um, and um, and I think that you know. I mean. Um, with improvisation, sometimes it can be very chaotic. The patterns can be really chaotic, and it's kind of. Um, but seeing, seeing links in in the way that people are, you know, well actually that that person's cottoned on to that other person's rhythm, like you know that that, you know that's so they're making a connection, you know, in the group, or it's just and and seeing seeing this kind of things happen through. Through sound and music, and um, it's, it, is, it is really interesting. And or someone's trying to over, you know, outplay everyone, and you know, there's something, there's something going on there. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like um, I went to a, a drum circle um, week in Scotland, and we were in the hills of Scotland, and it was like six days of uh, kind of non-stop drumming. Um, a lot of therapists actually. Kind of attend it, and uh, at the beginning, I was kind of like doing all these solos, and and the whole kind of group would kind of fall into this, you know, the rhythms would fall apart, you know. Uh -huh. So I kind of picked up a shaker and kind of just spent like a few days just playing like little percussion bits, yeah. kind of, um, you know. It's it's interesting that those kind of dynamics, you know, you know, like in Africa, like in the tribal kind of community, they they would work out all the kind of egos and. Yeah. Stuff would get worked through the drumming, you know, and um, so yeah, drums are a really powerful, powerful way of um, saying who you are. You know, I'm here, or you know, yeah. you know, and, and kind of that's you know that's that's I guess that's why I kind of was drawn to the drums when I was younger. You know, yeah. Wait, so were you the drum? You weren't the drummer in. 
your band are you in Lipstick Melody mm. but you were the drummer yeah I, I don't know why I thought you were the, the guitarist I, I, I do play know, I do play guitar okay okay um, yeah mainly yeah. Christian is the guitarist okay sorry I got that wrong it's <laughs> <laughs> alright um, it was a long time ago yeah it was it was because you're quite interested in bands and kind of I started out as a writer and a journalist and I'm really interested in music journalism. It kind of morphed after that because the more I was talking to musicians, the more it was coming out about, like you said earlier, the things about the drugs and the, and the dark moments and also seeing the dark mm. moments, you know, sometimes doing interviews. Some of the stuff I used to see was pretty dark, yeah. <laughs> but I used to just be fascinated and... Um, but also just having a love of music as well. So uh, yeah, I think it all stemmed from there. I remember, I think I remember that gig that you came to. And mm. It was um, uh, the singer uh, turned up in a taxi, fifteen minutes late for the gig, and uh, and then the taxi driver he didn't pay the taxi driver. Oh. The taxi driver was trying to get into the venue and to get his fare, and then. We played the gig, and then the sound guy, because we we had we started fifteen minutes afterwards. We still were playing our set, and then the sound guy cut us off. At uh, the end, you know, halfway through one of our songs, and I think um, Alan shouted at him from the stage, and the sound guy ran up the stairs and hid. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, and then that was kind of it for. I can't remember what the other bands did. It was, uh, I think I had to pull the favours back up for the other bands. Um, 
you know, I mean, and he, he, I mean, he, he always had his, you know, struggles, you know, in, in life, and he, and he, and he tried so hard to kind of fight them, you know. And he, you know, there was, you know, towards the end, he was really positive and, and almost too positive. Um, being too positive, and, and he couldn't have, he couldn't, he wanted to live up to this kind of, you know, being clean, and, and it was difficult. It was difficult for him to do, you know. And, um, and it's a shame, and you know, and I, I do often think, like, you know, we were recording an album. I was doing the drums in this big old manor house, and we were talking on the phone, and I was asking him, you know, what's the speed of this song, and you know, what would you want me to do on it? And, and, um, and he was in his kind of in his in his flat in London. And it was it was it was quite difficult. Like he was going through some difficult times. He was trying really hard to sort himself out, and um, you know, and it, you know, I, I think it's I think it's about how you know. And I think he, f he felt very alone, and uh, you know I did, I did try and kind of help him with his music, and I feel, um, yeah, yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's it's sad, really. It's really sad because I think he was, he was such a talented guy, you know. Um, and he just we just got a record deal as well, yeah. like, so it was, it was really really hard. It was you and you were still the lips. Were you still the lipstick manages at that point? We we changed our name to Tourniquet because he'd fallen through a glass partition. He slipped in his kitchen, mm -hmm. and he basically got saved because he, he cut his arm open and he got saved and. Had left his hospital, and so, and he he actually just started to kind of recover and started playing guitar parts on some of the tracks, um, but um, um, yeah, but so he, he was trying really hard to to be positive and, and to be and to to sort himself out, and he was eating healthily and. Um, but it's that thing, I think it's pushing himself too much, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult, difficult to talk about. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you guys were close, yeah. I, And we, we don't have to if you don't want to talk, but I'm, I'm, I suppose, in a way, it just, it sort of just highlights it's like a snapshot of what life can be like as a musician mm. and, and you've spoken about your own hardships being I don't know if your hardships were, were the same hardships so how you how you would make sense of them as, as a musician for yourself um, I don't know I mean, but at that point I was kind of trying to you know I was, you know, I was just starting to be a music therapist and trying to help um, help people like help people I don't know with with their own creativity, people that I cared about. Um, 
So that's the, that's kind of where I was at at the time. Um, but you know, the, I don't think that individuation happens straight away. I think it's like something which is um, very much a you have to have a lot of patience, and it's a process for me. I've only just stopped smoking like, oh, okay. like three weeks. <laughs> oh, right. cool. So I'm kind yeah. of yeah, I'm kind yeah. of trying little by little, you know, yeah. baby steps. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want. I'm really curious about um, the session. So, like you described it really nicely and. I'm kind of sitting in this room with all these mu these music instruments, and my feeling is like I just wanna, I just feel like play. I wanna play them. <laughs> so I'm wondering, like, it, like we could you do like a, a little snippet of what might happen in a, if say if I was attending as a as a patient having music therapy, what might I do in here, or what might be suggest I do? Um. Can I do it in any kind yeah, of Yeah, 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 of course. So, you know, you know it's, it's times for you, and <laughs> you know, you, you know, if, you know, you're welcome to choose any instrument here, and, and yeah, I'm kind of drawn to, uh, I'm drawn to the drums actually, and for some reason that bass and that cello, but maybe, maybe the drums. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so did I just sit at the... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is quite exciting. I don't think I've Thank <laughs> you. 
you know, I was a massive Hendrix fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just listening to, to cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. What would you... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. While we're wrapping up, I'll just quickly ask you, like, can you, was there a particular song that you remember or, um, being of note as you were growing up that kind of, in a way, changed everything, or a band or an album? I think, uh, listening to Hendrix, his drummer Mitch Mitchell, when he was kind of like, like really, like, frantic kind of drummer. Yeah. Um, Great, and I was like, oh, I can play like this, you know, if I can be frantic and chaotic and, you know, and I can just play how I feel to some loud guitar. Yeah, that's Thank you so much to uh, Phil Clark for that interview. If you're interested in having private therapy sessions with Phil, you can visit um, the therapy clinic website that he is part of called auburnmusictherapy.com. If you would like some information about the Gordon Hospital where he works from, you can contact that hospital at 0203 315 Just if you've been impacted by anything on this episode, I've got a few contact details to give you. Now, the main one I want to offer you is Help Musicians UK, a leading UK charity for professional musicians of any genre. The website for that is helpmusicians.org.uk. There's also a 24-hour support helpline for musicians, which is called Music Minds Matter which is set up by Help Musicians UK, 0808-802-8008. If you are a man and a musician, I've mentioned the charity CALM before in previous episodes. That stands for the Campaign Against Living Miserably. That's a charity set up specifically for men to support mental health problems that affect men. The website is www.thecalmzone.net and they also have a helpline 0800 585 
0800-858-858 and if you're in London there's a special London number which is 0800-802-5858 you can also call Samaritans for free 24-7 that number is 116-123 or you can email them at joe at samaritans.org you can also call MIND 0300-123-3393. If you are suffering with psychosis yourself or you think you might be um, impacted or affected by psychosis in some way, there is a really wonderful website and a charity set up called the Hearing Voices Network. Find that website on www.hearing-voices.org. Um, they give information about famous people who hear voices. They are really good at kind of normalising what happens, that it's common. I would recommend that website and there's loads of information about what to do and where to go and how to cope. They also offer different support groups and they have loads of links on the website for different ways for you to access more advice and support. You can also call the charity helpline Sane Line and you can find that website at sane.org.uk. Mm-hmm. 